This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got with me, Kip Adams this week. Rusty Man sells on daddy duty uh, this uh, morning, uh, so it's going to be the two of us. Uh, Kip, how is this week starting as uh, we close in on Thanksgiving and uh, probably uh, stuff ourselves silly on Thursday? Yeah, I went ahead and uh, ordered some some pants, upsized the pants in advance of this weekend, You know, going to uh, the in-laws on Thanksgiving and then having a Friendsgiving the next day, it's the double uh, food comas there. So I just went ahead and planned accordingly to, to, to go up a size in, in my entire wardrobe. I kind of do that every year. So I, I kind of have some, some things already in the wardrobe prepared for this, but Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's good eating. We always enjoy it, spending time with our loved ones and uh, you know, watching some football. So it is one of the better, the better weeks as far as just the overall entertainment quality of life. It's, it's, it's next week that I'm kind of worried about. That's a fair point. And I got two syllables to the point you're making about uh, Thursday sweat pants. I'm going to break those out and we are going to cruise until we got to get to work on Saturday at noon when Georgia plays Georgia tech. So before we uh, get into some of the people's questions uh, leading up to the regular season finale for Georgia, I thought it would be, Good idea to revisit last Saturday's game. Georgia goes to Kentucky, builds a 16-0 lead. Kentucky rallies late, gets a touchdown uh, to make it 16-6. Had a couple chances to cut into lead from there. Georgia defense bends but doesn't break. 16-6 victory for Georgia to end SEC play with an 8-0 record. Uh, you know, looking at this game, Kip, what was your big takeaways? What stood out to you the most about how Georgia got this thing done? And uh, the fact that Georgia's now eleven and zero, zero style points from this one. If if anything, negative style points. I think. I mean, you look at four passes in the second half of the game. Sometimes you can do that, but and uh, still come out looking pretty good. But I, I, I think this game was ugly. It was. Uh, I don't know if if you want to say that Kirby Smart played it conservatively, and he gets that narrative a lot sometimes unfairly because again possessions matter not turning the ball over is important but I, I think there again there are some calls in this game that were too conservative you, you could say that for this and I know for fans it can be maddening you come into this uh this game knowing that you once again have a very good football team 
you want to pile on the points, you want to blow out, uh, you want to see young players even on the road, and, and you want to be able to, you know, to have those bragging rights to the other fan bases that, you know, you got it done and, and that margin of victory is pushing towards 30 points, if not at 30 points. But at the end of the day, uh, Georgia does have a better football team than everyone that's played on the regular schedule. And I, I think you, you just, you think about that weather, you think about just getting out there with the win. Uh, they will not be talking about this game in, in January, regardless. So overall, that's, that's kind of where uh, my thoughts are on that game is that it was not pretty, but uh, is it an underlying, an overlying issue that will rear its head in the playoffs? I think that much, we still don't know because it still seems like Georgia hasn't been pushed uh, to the you know its fullest extent and tested yet this season, even in close games. And Kev, I don't know what your thought was on Georgia going for it on fourth down. I was honestly okay with the call. Obviously, you know Georgia wants it to work, but the Georgia defense had held and held Kentucky. You know, you look at the possibility of going up, scoring the touchdown, and uh, by that point, it would have been twenty-three nothing had Georgia scored the touchdown. Um, you know, that puts the game away. Then on the other side, you're, you're looking at a Kentucky offense that had had its moments, but to start the second half, I think they had like uh, a three and out to end the first half and then two straight three and outs. Had, you know, Georgia's defense, defense had started really strong. I think you look at that gamble and say, do we think Kentucky's all of a sudden going to put together a 99-yard drive? Well, I'd say the odds are pretty, not very high. And credit to Will Levis and, and Barry and Brown, they made some big plays through the air, and there was a big play on that drive after that stop that kind of got you know gave Kentucky some life. Um, you know, I think you hit on the biggest thing. It wasn't pretty, uh, but at the same time, there was never a situation where you said Georgia's going to lose this game or even Georgia's going to lose this lead. It was more of a situation late where you went, you know, Kentucky's not throwing in the towel. Kentucky's still fighting. Um, you know that that missed field goal again. You mentioned this, um, but I couldn't, you know, I don't know how clear it was for those watching on TV how much uh, the wind was a factor, how hard the wind was blowing. I mean, even before kickoff, we were looking up the flags being like, man, it is, it's really, you know, wind's blowing really hard. And, uh, you know, Georgia forces a 38-yard field goal attempt. If, if Kentucky would have gone for it, it would have been like fourth and 12. So the odds were not in their favor there. And then you get a turnover on downs late. So, um, it, it's just a situation when it comes to that where you get a win, you go on the road, you know that that is your last true road game of the season. Um, and to be able to do that, you know, and, and get out of there and um, from everything we could see and everything we could tell, didn't seem like anyone got hurt during that game. Um, you know, had Tate Ratledge held out, but he, he wasn't hurt during that game. Um, you know, all things considered, I think you'll take that and move on to the next week. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Uh, Georgia had stopped, I believe. Kentucky had three straight three and outs going into that that call. And yeah, you make that you make that kick, and the, you know the the game is is now a three possession game. You can go ahead and uh, you know kind of uh, pack it up, uh, so to speak. But th to actually go for it, fine. Uh, I think it it really is just the play call. I think you you became very predictable uh, in this game. Uh, you know, the, the, the run, run pass that fans like to talk about that, that definitely reared its head in, in this game. And 
probably some of that is because Todd Munkin as a play caller is setting up future plays with his plays. So first half plays are all trying to set up for plays later in the game to, to keep the, those looks in, in the back of defenders' minds. So when he pulls the same formation or similar look, he might do something different. And Georgia only had three possessions in the first half. And I think that kind of just took away some of Georgia's game plan. Now, again, Georgia on defense, bend but don't break. Kentucky played into that. But still, when you only get the ball three times, you're not able to kind of go through your entire script, really. And I think fewer possessions, fewer plays, uh, they were still kind of going, uh, you know, with the initial script in, in the second half. And I think that's a little uncharacteristic from Todd Monk. And the reason why he gets paid so much is because more often than not, he's not going to have a dud like this. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, Georgia may have gotten a little overconfident in their ability just to line up man-on-man and pound the ball in, especially in the red zone. Uh, but Kirby Smart's going to be confident like that because he's all about winning in the trenches. And I, I think he wants those guys to be able to, even when they're predictable, uh, get movement on the front, you know, Get push these guys downfield. His guards have to be able to, to you know, move that line down and, and open up some holes for these guys. So I, I think that's that's one of those where Kentucky credit them. They collapsed the middle and they got in those gaps. They have to go back to the drawing board and, and dial up some other plays. And, and I think that's that's going to be an aspect that Kirby Smart's going to be working on, not just this week, but the the coming weeks preparing for that SEC championship against the number two red zone defense in the country in LSU. Very good point. And that'll be something that no doubt we're going to talk about in great detail next week. So we've got another mailbag edition of the podcast. We pulled a bunch of questions from our message board and I'd Tell the folks that are watching this live, if you have questions, drop them in the comments. We're going to try to do a good mix of the people who are watching live, try to answer some of their questions, and also the uh, questions from our board. So we're going to start with Hooper G. Dog, who asks about the portal. Does Georgia players enter the portal next week or wait until the second portal window for another chance at a ring? Now, this is all speculation on our part because, you know, there's always surprises and we don't know what's coming, but my expectation is to see that it would be very similar to what happened in the 2021 season. Georgia goes on its playoff run. Obviously, they make it to the championship game, win the championship. And then after that, you saw guys go in the portal, guys like JT Daniels and some of the other folks. So, you know, maybe we will see one or two players, you know, guys that are not really in the mix, you know, not even uh, seeing the field at all, maybe in this early portal to uh, portal window to um, try to get a jump start on what will be their next chapter. but. I would imagine um, that the majority of the guys that wind up going in the portal, um, if there are guys that wind up leaving Georgia, that will happen once Georgia season is said and done. Yeah, I think you look last year, no one entered the portal for Georgia again until January 11th. And I think they had eight or nine enter the portal in, in that first week. If Georgia's playing important football, which they are set up to be right now, uh, unless you're injured for the season, you have no reason to enter the portal now. You have a chance to, again, audition for other teams, put tape out there that allows you, even if it's three or four snaps, these guys are going to be putting their highlight film, just like in high school, and sending it out to the other teams uh, once they enter the portal to get on the board. It's just like regular recruiting. You want to be evaluated. And, I mean, you're not 
you might not have pr- practice film. Georgia isn't going to be sending out their practice film to school so you can see how well you're doing in practice. So even if it's three snaps, special teams, uh, the guys that are backups right now and not getting the looks that maybe they want to, they are going to want to continue to take every opportunity they can get to put more film out there. And you never know. Again, injuries happen. Uh, you move up. You have a chance to to make a big play uh, on a big stage. You might you might get an opportunity to you know to to go to a program and start that you might not get at Georgia. So as long as Georgia's in the, you know playoff contention, these guys are going to stay here. I think the you know right now the transfer portal is teams that are wrapping up their season, or, or maybe it's you know it's a, it's a bowl game that's not worth the injury risk for a guy trying to to start next year. I think those are more the situations. But if Georgia has a guy that hasn't played at all this year or or is injured. Maybe you see one of those guys, but more likely we see them in January or, again, the day after Georgia's season has ended. Next question is from Dog 10 who asks, who are some freshmen not getting many minutes this year that can make a big impact next year? Uh, Kip, I'll let you go first. I got a couple names in mind, um, but let's see what you got. Okay. Well, I guess we go uh, one on each side of the football kind of makes sense, I think. If you're looking on defense, it's it's that edge rusher position. You got Marvin Jones Jr., who, again, uh, had the flu, has is, is played a little bit, but, you know, going to have an opportunity there, a highly touted player coming out of high school, a guy that's continuing to get more confident and, and learn more uh, as far as the playbook as each week goes along. He's going to have an opportunity next year to to step into a, a much bigger role. And then in a similar fashion, Darius Smith, another outside linebacker, uh, the edge defenders in this last class. He's a guy that people have kind of looked at those measurables and said this guy could be another Leonard Floyd, and he definitely has the measurables. Uh, And he's a guy that's very athletic, very quick. You see those GPS numbers that come out. He's at or, you know, at the top of the list as far as the the combo uh, group at Georgia. So he's got a lot of talent as well. And these are guys that have to get in that strength and conditioning program, get a full offseason, stay healthy. You have guys like Nolan, Nolan Smith and Robert Beal exhausting their eligibility. That position is one that Georgia needs needs help. They need playmakers at that position. I think both those guys have a chance to play a huge role next year. And then kind of sticking, I guess, with a guy that's been either sidelined with an injury this year. I'll go with offensive lineman Ernest Green on the offensive side of the ball. A guy that coming out of spring was getting reps with the ones that left tackle. A guy that many thought would be a guard coming out of high school. But again, at Georgia, if you could play, you could play. And he's a guy that six four and a half, three hundred and twenty 320 pounds coming in. Uh, impressed the coaching staff immediately. Uh, but then had, you know, injuries again. Uh, have kept him from being able to play. I believe he had back surgery. He had a procedure done during the season, so he's been out. But again, you look at uh, Georgia's offensive tackles, they will both be entering the draft this year with Warren McClendon and Broderick Jones. They, and so you got left and right tackle opening up. Obviously, Amarius Mims figures to slide into one of those spots, possibly left tackle. But I think Ernest Green's going to have an opportunity you know, if not at left tackle, right tackle, but then also at guard, it's a position that Georgia needs to get better play out of those positions as well. I think Ernest Green's a guy you want to keep an eye on for next year for Georgia. I should have gone first, Kip, because Ernest Green was who I was uh, thinking, because I think he's got an, an excellent opportunity next year, especially coming off this surgery. 
uh, to play a role and uh, for him to even do that as a redshirt freshman very impressive um, other guys that come to mind for me Oscar Delp we have seen him some but you lose Darnell Washington you know there will be a window for him to play a bigger role and I think he can do that other side of the ball we've seen a little bit of Dalen Everett but I think that uh, you know he's probably the guy you're looking at if Keely Ringo does in fact go pro which I expect um, that he would be the guy that steps up and starts along with Kamari Lassiter. Um, and then, then I'll throw another guy on offense that I'll be intrigued by because you mentioned the offensive guards. You know, when Drew Bobo wound up coming in this class, the 2022 class, I think a lot of people thought it was sort of, you know, didn't really pay a lot of attention to it, sort of an afterthought. Very, very good offensive lineman. Watched him in high school, and uh, he was probably the best offensive lineman on a loaded Auburn High offensive line. Um, heard some good things about him in the summer, and then, you know, you, he gets banged up and hasn't played at all. Um, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility to be hearing more about Drew Bobo in the spring, getting ready for his redshirt freshman year. Yeah, definitely. I think there, uh, we know there's going to be spots opening up on this offensive line. I, I, I think that's just one of those uh, position battles early in the spring and in the fall camp that, you know, you never really know. Anyone can kind of emerge. Georgia's had a lot of consistency at the, at the offensive line this year and, and overall the last couple of years. Uh, that is usually a program's, you know, that you see a lot of injuries there. You got to go through your depth chart. Georgia's, they, they've been pretty lucky there. But I, I think, again, a lot of these guys, as they have more time in the program, uh, have a chance to make a move. And I think Drew Bobo is definitely one of those guys. Uh, you've seen him reshape his body over the last two years. I think it's just been really impressive. Just seeing him two years ago, you would not have pegged him as a, a power five guy. But now it's it's he's, you know, he kind of looks the, the part of a no-brainer. And, and I think that's that that's impressive just for him. And I don't think it's just one of those situations where you see the name and, and think, you know, he was he was a throwaway scholarship. He is definitely – uh, showing that he belongs at this level. And I think he's got a lot of upside down the road. No doubt about it. Well, we're going to go to a break. But before we do that, for those of you listening on Tuesday, listening to this live, today is free VIP day at Dogs247. Go to dogs247.com. All of our stuff that's usually in that VIP behind the paywall, you can read it today. Check out that content. When we get done with this podcast, I'm going to have a story on some of the future Bulldogs, the recruits uh, that have either committed to Georgia or uh, are targets for Georgia, uh, what they've done in high school these past few weeks. You know, there's been several of these guys have won state championships. Others are still pursuing that in their respective states. A lot of good intel on that, a good sense of just how talented these guys are um, and guys that, you know, we'll probably be seeing on Saturdays before too much longer. But I would very much encourage you, if you're listening to this, if you want to, Stay in, uh, you know, in, up to speed with everything going on. Go check out the free VIP day and stick around. You know, Kip and, and I and Rusty, we're bringing you all kinds of good content day after day and, uh, and uh, making it worth your while for sure. So uh, we'll go to a quick break and then we'll come back and answer. Uh, start with some questions from those watching live and then get back to some of the message board questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Well, we will start with a question from the chat uh, about Nicholas Harbor, a, a guy that's a very talented edge rusher, but could play either way. A um, little bit of interest sounds like from Georgia. Kip, what are your thoughts on Harbor, uh, the potential for Georgia to get in the mix here? And if Georgia winds up uh, really having a chance at this guy, what he could bring to the table? Yeah, if he if he visits in December, definitely something to to keep an eye on. I think it's just interesting. He is definitely, I would say he's probably the biggest freak in the, in this recruiting class. Just the fact that you have a guy that's six six, uh, two hundred twenty five pounds that's that's running Olympic level track times. Uh, it's it's an interesting, you know, what his future holds uh, in, in college football and 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 probably track as well. He is the number one athlete in the country for a reason. I just think it's really, as far as position fit, uh, an aspect that where I think Georgia might not be uh, positioned as well as maybe some other programs just because he sees himself as a tight end at the next level. And not that Tard Hartley wouldn't want to load up on another one. He'll take him, Deuce Robinson, Lawson Loki. Uh, you know, he he will load up on tight ends this class if you give him the opportunity. He would not say no. But I think Georgia likes him as an edge rusher. That's where they see his upside as. And, I mean, I don't blame him just with his his range and his frame. I, I think he could be uh, definitely a top draft pick if he continues to buy into that and, and, and continue to add weight, get stronger, and, and play with that explosiveness. I mean, we were talking about a guy that has run the 100 meters in 10 to 8, which is just a ridiculous speed for anyone. If you were playing wide receiver, you know, uh, Miko Harbin, Arian Smith, those are times those guys would not be, you know, they would be pretty pumped about that time for the most part. But this is a guy that's 6'5", 225 pounds running that, which is just ridiculous. Uh, but if he makes it on campus in December for that official visit, then definitely it bears monitoring for Georgia. I know that it was reported that that is in the plans right now, but there's a long way to go between now and then. And I think that it's, uh, Georgia, it's just the, the way that they're recruiting in the position they like them at. I, I don't see them you know, being ultimately uh, a legitimate contender in his recruitment. But again, we're heading into the silly season. Anything is possible. We will keep seeing uh, and monitoring and see if he actually does make that trip to Georgia. It's going to be a busy few weeks. And uh, keep in mind what Russia has talked about as well with the portal opening up. You know, very different December for coaching staffs. And Kirby Smart talked about that yesterday. It's going to be wild. And I have no doubt that the three of us are going to have all kinds of content coming out of these next few weeks. Uh, another question from those watching live. Will Dog says, just looking ahead for a moment, do you think Carson Beck starts next year, possibly Gunnar Stockton, or maybe Brock Vandegrift if he is still here? My money is on Carson Beck. Uh, he's gotten a ton of praise for how he played uh, during the spring, and obviously once uh, Georgia has gotten into games, he's been the first guy off the bench. I think in a situation where if Setson were to get banged up uh, you know, in these next few games, it would be Carson. Um, nothing that I've seen makes me think it would not be Carson Beck, but I do think it would be a competition. I think that nothing would be guaranteed. I think you would see uh, that uh, Carson and Brock and Gunner as well, um, that it would be an open competition when we got into spring 2023. Uh, they're not going to guarantee anything to anybody, just like uh, you know they haven't these last few years, and we've seen that 
with a former walk-on winding up uh, winning the job. So uh, my money's on Carson Beck, but I would definitely say um, don't ride it in Sharpie because we know that uh, you get in and um, you know give guys the opportunity to play and try to earn that starting job. Anything can happen. Definitely. And you just look at the, you know, just the development that Carson Beck's had again, uh, uh, he was written off very early, uh, you know, had some, you know, maybe deer in the headlight moments early on in his Georgia career, but that's understandable. And then Todd Monken's asking a lot of his quarterbacks. He's asking you to make a lot of decisions on your own as well. It's not just a look to the sideline and, and see, a, you know, a, a poster board with some symbols on it. You got to make some calls yourself. And I think as he's grown more comfortable in that, and again, playing against Georgia's defense for a couple of years, you you will improve as a quarterback. If if you're still allowed to take snaps out there, uh, you, you'll, you'll be getting better. And I think that's exactly what Carson Beck's done. His arm has never been in question. He's got an outstanding arm. Arm talent is there, uh, and the accuracy continues to improve. It's, it's really just about getting out there and not panicking when you have defenders in your face and those bullets are flying making good decisions with the football. It's, again, even though Stetson Bennett's a gunslinger for the most part, that, that's why he has been the one that they've time and time in the end called upon to help them because he is a cool, cool cucumber under pressure. And, you know, when he's not trying to, to you know, to make crazy plays when he doesn't need to, uh, he's done a great job taking care of the football. I think he's one of the more responsible gunslingers I, I've seen. And so for Carson Beck, it's, it's in a similar manner. You have the talent. You know, you have the confidence. You know you can make all the throws. Go out there and get it done. And I think even though you got Brock Vandergriff, you got Gunnar Stockton, also very, very talented quarterbacks, I just think he's ahead of them right now heading into the spring. Uh, they're going to have their opportunity to make a move, but, you know, that experience uh, has value. And it definitely has value for Kirby Smart, as we've seen. But uh, I like where Carson Beck stands right now. Not all these quarterbacks are going to, you know, be in that room after spring football's over, if not before. So we're going to be watching that. That's obviously going to be a huge storyline. You can't write enough about quarterbacks or talk enough about them. So I think that'll definitely be the question. Who takes over from uh, one of the greats to, to play at Georgia, Stetson Bennett? Words that we all expected us to be talking about right now. Oh, absolutely. You could have guaranteed that. I'm going to parlay that into a question from the board from Flood the Swamp, who asked, if Georgia builds up a big enough score against Georgia Tech, do we think we'll see Beck get any shot to actually run the offense? It's going to be something interesting to watch. I could see a situation where Georgia, if they do build a significant lead, they just kind of try to sit on Georgia Tech, for lack of a better term. They try to work their way through, um, maybe get guys like Branson Robinson, who you know I don't think he took a carry at all, in that Kentucky game, get some of those back, some more work. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe we'll see them uh, kind of open up and give Carson an opportunity to throw the ball around if the situation calls for it. But my guess would be they try to ease through what remains of that game. I think we would see Carson in it, uh, but not exactly sure we're going to see him sling the ball around if he sees the field Saturday. No, I think this is that time of the year where uh, Kirby's trying to just to, to get these games over with as quickly as possible if he can. And if it's a close game, obviously Stetson's playing. And if it's not a close game, trying to get that clock out, he doesn't want anyone hurt. I mean, it's, he, he knows, even though this week, obviously Georgia Tech is the focus, as soon as he thinks that game is in hand, uh, he's already thinking about, okay, what is the best way for us to be ready for LSU? And that is this football game ending as quickly as possible. 
uh, and for us to stay healthy. So we have everyone out there uh, for Atlanta. So I would not bet on uh, Carson Beck. If we have an over-under on throws, I mean, the over-under has to be, what, four and a half, and I'll take the under. That's what I was going to say. About four and a half would be my pick. But you never know. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Hey, let's shout out Darius Sr. I'm not sure who that would be. Saying go dogs with that number 19 uh, avatar. Good to see number 19 back out there, seeing Darius get back on the field after getting banged up. Uh, Definitely a, a nice sight. Um, sticking with the quarterbacks, I thought this was a very interesting question, kind of looking at the numbers. Blackout Dog asked, does Stetson Bennett get over 4,000 yards passing by the end of the season, which includes a potential playoff run for Georgia? Right now, Stetson's got 3,011 yards. He's averaging, I think, just under 274 yards per game. He would essentially have to continue that through four games, which would be Georgia Tech, the SEC championship game against LSU, playoff semifinal, and a playoff championship. And he would clear it by about 90, 100 yards had he continued to hit that average. I'm going to say that doesn't happen. I do think that he is going to put up some yards, uh, but I don't think he's going to quite hit 4,000, um, even though I do expect Georgia's going to have to continue throwing the ball um, to make plays as they try to chase after a championship. Hmm. Well, um... I'm thinking about this, and yeah, it's definitely math and math up. You never know, but I'm trying to remember last year, uh, those last four games. Let's just say if Georgia plays four games, I mean, if they get to the national championship, last year against Georgia Tech, he threw for 255. Uh, SC championship game, it was 340. That Michigan game, 313 yards, and, and then national championship, 224 yards. He threw for... 11, uh, 132 yards in those four games last year. So I, I I think the math says, you know, based on what he's doing so far, like you said, if he continues to do what he's done, he's got a good chance. I, I don't know. Like, you look at the Georgia's running backs the last couple weeks. I mean, obviously, the short yardage situation has been a thing, but I think these games could be closer. Obviously, the next couple of games after this weekend should be pretty – you know, closely contested games, which may call for Stetson to throw more than, you know, in, in these comfortable games earlier this year than he's had to. I, I think they are going to lean on him as obviously the most experienced player on this roster, uh, you know, when they are in a tightly uh, contested battle. Uh, I think he's going to need to throw the ball, if not, you know, making plays with his legs as well, extending plays uh, and, and, getting outside the pocket and, and maybe hitting some open guys that way. Uh, I, I, I give it 50-50 right now. I think, again, I, if he continues to play the way he has, if they continue to throw the ball more than I think really Georgia ever has, or it, at least in the last decade, uh, they definitely have not had, you know, this type of passing attack since Aaron Murray was at Georgia. So it's possible. I, I think 50-50 is my, my shot right now, I think. Uh, we'll probably be able to answer that a little bit better based on this weekend. I don't know how you know how much he's going to throw it this weekend, but hey, if he goes over two hundred, if 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 he gets close to his average, I think he's set up pretty well. They're going to need him to have a couple three hundred yard games uh, in the postseason to to uh, potentially get back to the promised land. It'll be something to follow for sure. We'll get one more question before we get ready to wrap this up. Blackout dog again. 
uh, asked, do you guys think we continue the streak, excluding 2020 and 2016, of having a Georgia player win an end-of-year award like the Mackey, Buckus, et cetera? I think so. Um, you know, I feel like the easiest one, in my opinion, is that Mackey and seeing uh, Brock Bowers take home that award, although Darnell Washington, his teammate, has a pretty good argument himself. Um, I think we'll see that. I know Jalen Carter's up for an individual award. While we were on here talking, Jamon Dumas-Johnson is up for the Buckus Award. Um, so I think it is very likely we'll see it. I think I'm most confident in Brock Bowers being the one to take home an award. Um, but, you know, Stetson Bennett's up for a few. Of, he's probably a shoe-in, I would imagine, for the Burlington uh, uh, for the former walk-on um, award because of just what he's been able to do. But he's up for a few other uh, quarterback awards that uh, go beyond um, just former walk-on guys. So, yeah, I think uh, I feel pretty good about at least a couple of these guys bringing home individual awards, but I would say most likely would probably be Brock Bowers. I mean, Brock Bowers, uh, he actually, I was kind of uh, disappointed he was not named one of the semifinalists for the Doak Walker Award today. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably, he's probably Georgia's best running back this year. And, you know, he's already been named uh, the semifinals for the Bolitnikoff, which goes to the best, I guess, air quote, pass catcher, usually a wide receiver. But then, you know, the Lombardi, best lineman. So uh, I think, you know, him having uh, been outstanding when he touches the football, uh, you know, you he should have gotten that honorary one as well. Since, I mean, they put him in there with the, with the lineman. Why not put him in there with the running backs? But. Yeah, he should be the reigning Mackey Award winner. Again, he still he got robbed of that, and I think Notre Dame's tight end, uh, Michael Mayer. I think he might be he might be the favorite, even though again you could say you can make the argument Brock Bowers is the most talented tight end, but it's also a numbers game. He's kind of behind in a couple stats. Would need to have a couple big games maybe. If I'm picking an award for Georgia this year. How about the Joe Moore Award? You know, they've been finalists. Uh, they've been semifinalists for the best offensive line. I think you can make the argument right now they're probably the number two offensive line. We talked about the red zone earlier. We talked about those issues. But at the same time, their pass protection has been incredible. Uh, Oregon would be the only offensive line, you know, I'd probably put ahead of them. And, and it is interesting. You have two guys who can evade, you know, tackles in, in Bo Nix and Stetson Bennett probably helping out those units a little bit. But again, I think it's point point six sacks a lot per game by Georgia's offensive line this year. They've got a chance. Again, uh, it, you still have time. You still have another uh, opportunity to, to, to have an outstanding performance this week against Georgia Tech for all these guys trying to get in, you know, get in there and win an award. Uh, this is kind of that showcase game, your last game at home for a lot of these guys. So uh, I think they're, you know, the team aspect is obviously there, but you have the opportunity to shine on the stage and, and you know a lot of people are going to be watching you. So I think uh, this is definitely, you know, Kirby Smart's been probably talking to the offensive line all week, look in the mirror. Hey, guys, we need to go out there and show we're a lot better than how we played last week against Kentucky. And I, I just think that that's kind of a word that Georgia still has a chance to, to go out there and win. It's one they've come close to before. And I think they're deserving of being in the mix for that one. For sure. And it's going to be something to follow. Well, before we wrap this up, got to do my Georgia men's basketball minute. Hey, a lot to like from what Georgia did on Monday night playing St. Joseph's. Held St. Joseph's to only 15 points in the first half. That is the fewest points Georgia has surrendered in a half. 
since New Year's Eve 2014 when they played Kansas State. A very strong second half from the Hawks makes it a little tight. Georgia still wins at 66-53. Uh, I thought that was a pretty strong show and had some really good performances from Cario Aquindo, uh, Jabri Abdul-Rahim, Terry Roberts as well. They're going to be tested as we record this. They play at 4 o'clock on Tuesday. I'm going to be playing a really good UAB team. I think a UAB team that, uh, when it's all said and done, is going to make the NCAA tournament, led by former Ole Miss head coach Andy Kennedy, who Mike White coached under at Ole Miss. Uh, so I think it's going to be a big test. I don't think that Georgia's going to be able to win that game, but I think it's going to be a proving ground. I think it's going to be a situation where we're going to learn a lot about this Georgia team um, as they get ready to try to finish this week on a high note and uh, then come back on Sunday and uh, play back in Stegman Coliseum. Yeah, definitely. This is one of those, uh, it's not a coin flip game, but you, you win this one, you've won one that Jordan didn't predict you to win before the season. That 15 and 16 prediction, you got to win a couple to, to, to get there. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to actually tune in for this. And this is one of those where I think it's an interesting matchup. Georgia's got a lot of, you know, different pieces playing together for the first time. You know, they got to gel, got to get that chemistry together. I definitely think this is one of those teams where towards the end of the year, they are going to be a very tough team to play as they continue to gel. They got some talented uh, players in the, on the team and, you know, better defense than I think you've seen it at Georgia in a long time. Want to add that that VIP free day that we're having today at Dogs 247, it also includes 75% off. So you have the opportunity uh, this week to jump on and get nine months for free on an annual VIP membership to Dogs 247. So come check us out. You know, click on a couple of those, uh, some of those VIP articles that are in my VIP uh, free day article got some examples of what you'll be able to have access to and, and give us a try i think 75 percent off is about as good as it's going to get for a vip membership to to any of the sites but hey guys thanks for giving us a try so far you guys have listened at this point in the podcast i i think it, you know you're going to really enjoy what you see at dogs 247 and rusty jordan and i we're, we're, we're doing our best we, we're covering another Pretty special season for Georgia. There's not a better time to be a member and give us a shout out once you do on the junkyard. I'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And my plan for those listening, I'm going to try to do a little Q&A this afternoon, uh, answer some more questions with the VIP members of the board. Come on, come get in there. Just uh, find out what you want to know and we'll see what we can do um, as we get ready again. There's no better time for this deal just with Georgia football where it is and with men's basketball in full throttle um it's been fun kind of balancing covering both and uh, it's going to be an exciting winter no doubt uh so we're going to wrap it up right there appreciate everybody listening uh, everybody who's watching this live everyone who is checking this out after the fact thanks to everybody i hope everybody has a great thanksgiving thanks for kip for popping on uh, we'll wrap it up right there until next time take care go hawks